Hello everyone and welcome to Physician Assistant Study Session. I'm your host, McKenna Morgan, and today we will finally be discussing disorders of the spine. All right, everybody, welcome. As I said, we will finally be discussing disorders of the spine. I know I've been putting it off for a couple of weeks, but I'm hoping today that I really cut it down for you guys to make it memorable. So, um, there's several things on the topic list for today. I just wanted to make a note that you will notice that I am not going to formally talk about low back pain as a topic in and of itself. A lot of these disorders can cause low back pain. I think that's more of something you need to have a differential for is low back pain versus actually topic talking about it as a topic. So anyway, it's it, that was an intentional that it was skipped. Enough about that. Let's go ahead and get into our t- questions. What lab will be positive in ankylosing spondylitis? HLA B27 or human leukocyte antigen B27. Where is the most common level of a herniated disc? The L5-S1 level. Name two risk factors for a vertebral compression fracture. I'll list several here. Chronic steroid use, tobacco use, postmenopausal, osteoporosis, and low body weight. Okay, let's go ahead and dive right in. We're going to start with cauda equina. And this is a surgical emergency. It's usually a complication of a herniated disc or burst fracture in the spine. And symptoms here. They'll have saddle anesthesia, which means they'll have numbness in the area of the legs and groin where you would touch a saddle, so just envision that for a second. You'll have also decreased anal sphincter tone, or what we also call the absence of an anal wink. And finally, urinary or bowel retention along with incontinence. And this part gets a little bit tricky, but finally what I um, came to realize is Damage to the spinal cord can cause urinary and bowel retention. At some point, you will have retained so much urine or so much uh, feces in the bowel that you will overflow, and that is the incontinence that we'll speak of. So it's almost like a progression in that you will have retention, which then leads to overflow incontinence. So that's why there is both. So that's why I know it sounds backwards, but it's more that one will lead to the other. So again... Three major symptoms for cauda equina are saddle anesthesia, decreased anal sphincter tone, and urinary or bowel retention or incontinence. Treatment for these, they get emergent surgery as well as steroids to help decrease any inflammation. All right, moving next to spinal stenosis. This is also called pseudoclaudication. And what it is, it's narrowing of the spinal canal, and it's common in patients greater than 60 years old, but can also be congenital. And symptoms, they'll have low back pain plus bilateral leg pain that is increased with walking or standing, aka extension, or decreased with sitting or walking uphill where the back is flexed. A lot of patients also with extension, they'll say it's painful to lie flat. You can diagnose this with an x-ray or an MRI. Treatment, pretty standard injections, physical therapy, or surgery. Moving to back sprains and strains. 
These are most commonly caused by lifting or twisting. Unless it's in the neck, then it's a whiplash injury. Also, we'll have associated muscle spasms and decreased range of motion secondary to pain. The key thing here with a sprain or a strain is that they have a completely normal neurological exam. Key word, remember that, normal neuro with sprains and strains. Treatment, very conservative. We do brief rest for one to two days. We don't want them to be lying in bed for weeks on end. That will actually make their pain worse. Basically, light activity walking around as tolerated. Scheduled NSAIDs. And what I mean by that is you want them to take them every eight hours or every 12 hours, every six hours to keep that inflammation down. You may or may not add a muscle relaxant. And uh, physical therapy for prolonged pain and to work on body mechanics, but the majority of sprains and strains should recover by four weeks post-injury. If not, we need to be concerned about some other things. Jumping gears here a little bit, we're going to talk about scoliosis. And our most common demographic here are females greater than 10 years old. Scoliosis is typically not painful. And by definition, it's greater than 10 degrees of lateral curvature. 90% of curves are to the right. If there's a curve to the left, you require further evaluation. That's generally not typical of scoliosis. While you're doing your physical exam, you also want to look for shoulder or pelvic obliquity, as well as a, link, as well as a limb length discrepancy. And on physical exam, this is the Adams forward flexion exam, where they bend all the way over, touch their toes. X-rays are indicated if the scoliometer is greater than five degrees. And here they're gonna evaluate what's called the Cobb angle. And I don't think it's necessary for you to understand how a Cobb angle is measured, but just simply to remember that a Cobb angle is associated with scoliosis. How I remember these, the ABCDs of scoliosis. A is for Adams, B is for bending, C is for Cobb, D is degrees. Adams goes with bending, Cobbs goes with degrees. Treatment for these, Observe them if they're small, bracing at 20 degrees, surgery at 40 degrees. So with scoliosis, everything is doubled. So we start with our Adams forward flexion exam. If the scoliometer is greater than five degrees, that's our initial threshold to get x-rays. Double that to 10 degrees, that is the definition of scoliosis. So start with five, double to 10. So at 10, they officially have scoliosis. Double that to 20, that means they get a brace. Double that again to 40, they get surgery. So start with 5, gets evaluation. 10 gets diagnosis. 20 gets a brace. 40 gets surgery. Double, double, double. It's like an in that burger. Sorry, guys. All right. <laughs> Hopefully that all makes sense. Moving on to a, just a quick little topic here is kyphosis. And this is increased convex curvature of the T-spine, thoracic spine, versus lordosis. So I think of this, L is for lordosis and for lumbar, whereas kyphosis goes with the thoracic spine. One third of patients with kyphosis also have scoliosis. Treatment for these, for kyphosis, they'll get a brace at 60 degrees of curvature. I don't think that's necessarily important for you to know, but just kind of throwing it in there for good measure. Okay, moving on to some other disorders. We'll start with spondylolysis, and this is a defect of the pars interarticularis, and this is the number one form of back pain in children and adolescents. 
and this is most commonly at the L5 to S1 level. I will say most because I'm not sure that it is all injuries of the low back. L5, S1 is usually where it's at because this is an area where we're going from a mobile vertebra to a fixed vertebra. So again, L5, S1. And how this happens, this is a repetitive hyperextension injury. So with these, you want to think gymnasts and football players. On x-ray, you'll get an oblique view x-ray of the lumbar spine, and you'll have what's called a Scotty dog sign. So the shape of a vertebra in an oblique view kind of looks like a dog, and the Scotty dog sign is where the dog has a collar. That shows the defect there. And spondylolysis can progress to spondylolisthesis. And remembering these, spondylolisthesis is a longer word and is a bigger injury. And this here is where the vertebra slips forward. They may have a possible step off on exam. And greater than 50% displacement equals surgical candidate. Otherwise, they're conservative, treated conservatively, just like spondylolysis, symptomatic treatment with physical therapy or braces. Um, little note as well, if you have spondylolisthesis at C2, this is called a hangman's fracture as opposed to a Jefferson fracture, which is a C1 fracture, which is also called the atlas. This is a burst fracture, and it's associated with axial loading, such as um, a shallow dive or certain motor vehicle accidents. So Jefferson fractures, C1, Hangman fractures, C2. Continuing on with fractures, we're gonna talk about compression fractures. These can happen either as a fall from a height like a Jefferson fracture, or it can be non-traumatic. On x-ray, you'll see vertebral height narrowing. And risk factors for this include chronic steroid use, tobacco use, postmenopausal state, osteoporosis, and low body weight. And the big buzzword I think you need for compression fractures is that they'll have point tenderness along the spine. Uh, and depending on this, they're either treated conservatively or surgically, generally conservatively though. Okay, our next topic here is ankylosing spondylitis. I had a big uh, debate about whether I wanted to cover it here or with rheumatology, but the rheumatology section was getting a little bit long, so I'm going to cover it here. So, ankylosing spondylitis. The root word ankly equals stiff, spondyl equals spine, and itis equals inflammation. So this is an inflammatory condition that causes stiffening of the spine. The demographic here are white males age 15 to 30. This is kind of key because this is one of the few autoimmune disorders that is young male. Generally, we think females with autoimmune disorders. The other one is reactive arthritis, which we will cover in the rheumatology section. This affects the axial skeleton and SI joint with increasing stiffness. And this progresses from inferior to superior. So it progresses from the SI joint up the spine and they'll complain of AM stiffness with decreased range of motion, which decreases with activity. So again, AM stiffness with lower range of motion that improves with activity. And most autoimmune arthropathies do, by the way. Lab evaluation for this, this is considered a seronegative arthropathy in that they'll have a negative ANA and rheumatoid factor. However, they will have an increased ESR often and a positive human leukocyte antigen B27, positive HLA B27. Do you think that's important to know? 
x-ray findings, you'll have what's called a bamboo spine. And I just want you to envision a piece of bamboo. It's very square, and that is what the vertebral bodies look like. They're nice and square. Treatment, NSAIDs, physical therapy, TNF-alpha blockers. In real practice, they'll get referred to a rheumatologist. So that's that. We're going to jump into dermatomes. And with doing that, we need to talk about herniated discs first. That's generally what can cause issues with the dermatome. And this is a herniation of the nucleus pulposus. And they'll have pain in the dermatomal pattern, which often increases with coughing or sitting. This most happens posterolaterally. And again, at the L5-S1 level. Remember, it's from a mobile vertebrae to a stationary vertebra. They'll have a positive straight leg raise and a positive crossover sign. And a crossover is a straight leg raise on the unaffected side produces pain on the affected side. And this is more specific than a straight leg raise. You also may have a positive flip sign. And this is with the patient seated and you extend the knee and the patient will flip back due to pain. On x-ray, you may have decreased height of the intervertebral disc space. This is not to be confused with decreased vertebral height with the compression fracture. This is talking about the space in between the vertebrae may be smaller. We can generally start with an x-ray, but an MRI will be purely diagnostic for this. Treatment, NSAIDs, hot and cold, relative rest. Again, we want them to be out and about, not bedridden, but not lifting heavy things, etc. Physical therapy and then surgery if refractory, of course. All right, now to demystifying the dermatomes. They can be scary, but really just kind of got to cut it down into the big buzzwords, just like we do on this podcast every episode. So I think it makes the most sense to actually work from medial to lateral. And so with that, we're going to start with the C5. And this controls the deltoid motor function as well as the upper arm and shoulder. The DTR that is associated with the C5 dermatome is primarily the biceps. There's also a little bit of the brachial radialis, but I want you to think biceps with C5. And again, that's the most medial of our reflexes in our upper extremity. Moving laterally, we have the C6 dermatome. And this area controls motor for forearm flexion and wrist extension. The sensation is for the dorsolateral arm, forearm, and thumb. And if you think about it, it's about the same areas where we have motor control. The DTR for here is more lateral, and so it'll be the brachioradialis DTR. I also remember thumb, because if I were to make a six, I'd put a thumbs up. Now thinking posteriorly to C7, this is the entire posterior arm. So it's the triceps motor, I think it's the most important one. And then sensation for the mid and dorsal forearm. So again, that's the entire back. And then the long finger. The DTR here is the triceps reflex. Another way to remember this is that there's seven letters in triceps, just to get yourself oriented. Seven letters in triceps. Okay, 
you have an, not to say an extra, but we're going to call it an extra dermatome as compared to the lower extremity in that C8. And I really think the only thing you need to remember about C8 is that it controls the pinky finger. So recapping the sensation in the hand, because I think that gets quizzed on a lot. You start with six. If you were to go from five to six, you'd put a thumbs up. So you start with a thumb and then you're skipping digits. So six is the thumb. Seven is the long finger, and eight is the pinky finger. And then again, recapping DTRs. Start medial with the biceps in C5. Then we're going to go lateral to the brachioradialis for C6, and posterior with seven letters in triceps for C7. C8 does not have a DTR associated with it. Moving down to the dermatomes of the lower extremity, there are three that I think are important for you to know, and they are L4, L5, and S1. Uh, we'll start with L4. How I remember this is quads. There's four of them, and it's L4. So it's associated with leg extension and anterior thigh pain. So that's right where the quads are. Uh, the DTR here is um, the knee jerk, so the patellar tendon reflex. Pretty easy, quads are four, thighs, knee jerk. L5 is the lower extremity equivalent of C6. So this is the lateral side. So it's the lateral thigh and the top of the foot. However, the lower extremity is a twisted version of the upper extremity. So instead of that dermatome going straight down the lateral arm and to the thumb, it's going to twist and go to the, the big toe. So it's still the lateral thigh, but then it goes across to the top of the foot and then between the first and second toes. And that's a big sensation buzzword for L5 is between the first and second toe, like where the flip-flop goes. They'll also have decreased big toe extension. And again, just think about the big toe being the thumb equivalent of the lower extremity. You'll be all set. There is no reflex associated with the L5 dermatome. So it's lateral thigh between the first and second toes and decreased big toe extension. S1 is our posterior dermatome. So it's the posterior leg and calf, which is also called the triceps surrey. It's not a word that we use very often, but if that helps you remember that the S1 is similar to the tricep dermatome, by all means, go for it. So here, they'll have decreased plantar flexion. So again, no stepping on the gas. And they'll also have a decreased ankle jerk DTR. So again, their Achilles tendon DTR will be affected. All right, that's all I have for dermatomas for you. Pretty simple, seven of them. One of them only had one little bit of information with them. But again, I think... That's what this podcast is meant to be. It's how to easily and quickly distinguish between different diseases because you're already great at forming differentials, but it's how you narrow down those differentials and how to treat them that boards is trying to look for. So looking for those buns words, looking for those distinctive information for each topic. Hopefully that got across today with spine. So we'll end with a few more questions. What degree of curvature defines scoliosis? 
and this is greater than 10 degrees. Remember all the doubling, five gets evaluation, 10 defines it, 20 gets brace, 40 gets surgery. Define spondylolisthesis. And this is a slippage of the vertebrae. Remember spondylolisthesis is a longer and nastier word and slippage is a nastier injury. What dermatome is associated with the brachioradialis reflex? This is C6. Okay, five take-home points for today. Number one, saddle anesthesia equals cauda surgical emergency. Number two, ankylosing spondylitis is HLA-B27 positive. Number three, spinal stenosis is worse with back extension, such as with lying flat, walking, or standing upright. Number four, postmenopausal, chronic steroid use, and tobacco use are equals increased risk for compression fractures. And number five, driving this home, spondylolisthesis equals vertebral slippage. Spondylolysis equals pars interarticularis defect. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in. For starters, um, we're really wrapping up ortho. I think we have two episodes left. I want you to head on over to our Facebook page. I have a post there asking what you would like me to talk about next. Are we wanting GI? Do we want psych? Do we want cardio? Again, this podcast is for you guys, so I want to know so I can start getting that ready for you guys. Uh, you can also email me for anything at pastudysesh at gmail.com for copies of the blueprint as well as links to all of our former episodes you can go over to pastudysesh.blueberry with no e so that's b-l-u-b-r-r-y dot net please share us with your friends subscribe to us on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast Shout us out on social media. Follow us on Facebook. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'd like to thank Lee Rosevier for the use of his songs, Tech Toys and Curiosity, for the intro, outro, and question portions. And for next week, we're going to talk about disorders of the hip. So, again, please subscribe to us. Share us with your friends. Let me know what you guys want to talk about next. Otherwise, I'll probably just draw from a hat and we'll call it good. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully this has helped uh, simplify back pain for you. And we will talk to you next week.